use the I'm gonna punch you in your soul line. Not 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 the <laughs> you sound like the line. Or you can use that whole conversation as the intro. Sure. Or I can use this conversation as the intro. <laughs> no, no you, no you can't. I will punch you in your soul awesome. across the internet. <laughs> This is Elder Speak, episode 27, the official podcast of ElderGeek.com. With me today, I have Gavin Green, our news editor. Say hi. Yo. And I have Patrick Fang, our editor. Hey. And uh, right. today we're going to talk about, well, we have a, a bunch of news topics. Uh, we have the Beatles Rock Band DLC. Uh, Captain Lou Albano dies at 76. Uh, Dragon Age Origins gets day one DLC and not... Um, not few of them either. Uh, Alpha Protocol is officially delayed. Resistance 3 gets announced. Um, and um, and um, ABC News compares Metroid, of all things, to Citizen Kane. Um, for our Week in Geek, I will be talking about Uncharted 2. Patrick will be talking about Operations Flashpoint 2, Dragon Rising. And Gavin will be talking about the most hardcore of Brutal Legends. Uh, for our question of the week, we're actually going to talk about how uh, video game movies could improve. Um, and then we're done. So yeah, we're just going to start off with news right now. All right, right on. First off the bat this week, we have Harmonix um, giving us a plan for Beatles Rock Band DLC. Um, what we have planned at the moment, uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and Rubber Soul are going to be released in full, the full album as DLC. Um, in addition to Abbey Road. Um, but in terms of B- DLC beyond this point, Harmonix has stated that they're going to be waiting to see the sales returns for these albums before they release more. Uh, fans have been clamoring for the White Album for um, post-Beatles releases by like Paul McCartney and John Lennon. And Harmonix has just said, we're going to bide our time and we're just going to hold on. But we do have plans if it, se- it sells beyond a certain point that they didn't mention we're going to release more albums and more like stuff like this. And in terms of how the DLC is done so far, All You Need Is Love is the fastest selling track in rock band history. So I can't see it not succeeding. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Well, I mean, to me, this isn't really important. I'm, I'm not really that big of a Beatles fan. Uh, I do care about rock band and their success. I just, um, I don't know. I always, I always uh, kind of thought that the Beatles rock band should really just be an expansion pack to rock band or something. But, um, yeah. 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 I'm just hoping I, they keep up with the Brutal Legend track backs. <laughs> yeah, I, but, I definitely agree on the the Beatles rock band. I mean, I, I, I definitely thought it was more of an expansion than, um, than Game Man all itself. I mean, it's kind of like Rock Band just spl- splitting it up. I mean, um, Guitar Hero just splitting it up like Aerosmith or something like that. It was just... Yeah, how many do they have now? Aerosmith, Van Halen, Metallica, yeah, Queen. Uh, Metallica. Whoa, whoa, Queen uh, has never been released as a Guitar Hero ever. No, wait, otherwise I would have bought it. Like, that's SingStar. Yeah, one, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Metallica was released too. Um, yes, indeed. Van Halen, yeah. Aerosmith. Uh, isn't there one more? Um, no, that's all the band-centric releases. You have Smash hits. Yeah. You have Rock the '80s, but. Oh. 
Uh, you have other compilations, but band specific, it's just been Aerosmith, Van Halen, and Metallica so far. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure if they continue, we're going to have eventually um, Guitar Hero Blue Oyster Cult eventually. I have no idea how long they're going to go with it. <laughs> I just want Guitar Hero but... Muse, and I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I think between Rock Band and Guitar Hero, you're gonna eventually see his uh, their entire library releases deal. Yeah, uh, I actually I'm actually borrowing Guitar Hero Fire right now, and uh, and they have uh, a huge DLC pack for Muse with the actual characters from or not characters, sorry, with the actual members of Muse uh, on stage. They're you know reimagined in the continuous world of rock or Guitar Hero, but. um, Anyway, cool. We were talking about rock band. <laughs> yeah, but I think we're pretty good. We've kind of tangented off there. Yeah. Uh, we're moving on. Gonna pass this out to you guys. I was never a big fan of the show, but uh, Captain Lou Albano, <laughs> uh, wrestler and portrayer of Mario in a live-action slash cartoon show, um, has passed away at age 76. So, open up to you guys. What are your thoughts? I I, I don't know. I kind of like that show. Um, as a kid, of course. Um, it's uh, it's. Uh, it was very weird. Uh, it was very uh, <laughs> well. It, it depicted Mario and Luigi as as plumbers in New York, Italian plumbers, of course, um, right. who dealt with all sorts of weird phenomenons in their real life. And as you know, the intro and outro between those two, there was the cartoon part. Um, but the thing is, I mean, it depicted. A bunch of dirty old guys uh, messing up their neighborhood, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of fun that way. And the cartoons were really oh, good for as those, well. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, we're, uh, we're talking about the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Mm. So that was the name of the cartoon slash live action. Uh, Patrick, what do you think? What's your thoughts on Lil' Bob? Uh, I mean, I, I remember watching like select uh, episodes of it as a kid. Um, it was... It, it, it was just interesting because I remember used to playing uh, Mario on, on the regular NES and then just watching the TV show. And actually, um, my f- my roommate college actually uh, got the DVD series for um, as like a joke present for Christmas or something <laughs> like that. And so we started watching it, and it, it was just so bad. It, it was like watching uh, the Ninja Turtles live action movies again, like uh. like twenty years later. But I mean, it, it was just so so weird because like. You kind of put two and two together, where, um, you know, like they're tripping on mushrooms and, <laughs> like, like just like the way they're talking too. They're, like, uh, Mario says Paisano a lot, and like Paisano is kind of like a derogatory, like stereotypical term to use on Italians, and uh, hmm. it's just pretty interesting. And of course, we don't need to hesitate to um, mention his lengthy career in the WWF and WWE wrestling circuit. Mm. And but <laughs> again, for me, the only thing I remember as it, him as is the father in Cindy Lauper's "Girls Just Want to Have Fun" video. So, but regardless of where you remember as, he passed away recently at age 76. And thoughts go out to his family and everything like that. Sadness. But we're going to move on before we get too depressed. Um, let's see. Uh, Bioware's Dragon Age Origin gets day one DLC. Um, again, the epic dark fantasy that's coming to us in no- this next month. Um, Bioware has announced uh, several packs uh, that will be available day one. The first being um, Warden's Keep, an additional story quest, and new dungeon location, and a bunch of other stuff like new abilities um, and different items. And 
That also comes with a Spiffy Warden's armor set. That's like an epic item attached to that. It will be seven bucks day one, and that will also come equipped with Blood Armor, uh, another epic armor set by itself, um, which will be free. Mm. Huh. So, fuck on. Uh, well, I mean, you have the basic argument that if it's day one DLC and they're requiring you to pay for it, then it should have been on the disc. Um, I, I, I do think that's a valid point. Uh, at the same time, I'm probably going to buy it. <laughs> so, you know, because Dragon Age looks like such a good game. And it's, it's it's the kind of game where you just sort of have to have everything, if, if you're, mm, if you're yeah. me at least. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Sorry, there was another um, piece of DLC that I uh, neglected to mention. The Stone Prisoner, which will retail for 15 bucks. It's another pack of story missions and um, revolving around a stone golem, uh, which if you free him, he will be added to your party. Cool. And um, good news on that. If you pre-ordered or um, bought a new copy of the game, not used, um, from either online or brick-and-mortar store, it will be free for you. Ooh, nice. So that's a good. that's at least a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't have the game. I mean, I didn't pre-order no. it. Yeah. Uh, neither did I, but I'm definitely gonna it, at least. It's not too late. Picking it up. It's not too late to pre-order. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. For anyone listening, it's not too late for you to have it. So <laughs> pre-order it definitely. It's definitely a buy. I'm just gonna check it out and see if it's worth um, getting DLC for. To be honest, I'm, to be honest, I'm probably gonna buy it day one, and then I'm gonna wait to play it a few months because I see this as the kind of game where. I can go back after Christmas, and after I've played all the short games, I can have a really long and pleasurable experience with it, just like I did with Fallout 3 last year. Yeah, long and pleasurable experience. Yep. You have fun with that. (laughs) But okay, gushing over that um, a little bit too much, let's move on to another um, RPG I gush over, Alpha Protocol. And unfortunately, the delay that we mentioned two weeks ago up until spring 2010 is official. And yeah, Sega waited until the day it was supposed to launch to tell us how nice of them. Yeah, that's just weird. That's just <laughs> bad marketing, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh. Well, I mean, to argue, there was no marketing push, so you were pretty, you pretty much knew that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Since there was no, there was no big ads for it, there were no trailers, but it's still depressing. I mean, this is uh, the game was already delayed. Um, prior to its February two, uh, 2009 release. So Honestly, though, I'm kind of happy about it. Because, um, you know, um, the last videos they released of the game, it didn't really look that polished yet. It, it yeah. looked like it would be good, but it could definitely be better. So I'm hoping they'll use this time to, uh, to make sure that happens. Right. The animation still felt a bit loose. The areas were a bit open. I felt that they could add a little bit more in the background. So hopefully they are. Mm. And this is Obsidian, so when they polish, they do polish. Yep. So at least we're gonna get a. We're hopefully gonna get a better game for this delay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's something that's gonna open up a little bit of a debate between us. Um, ABC <laughs> News report recently had a comparison here of Metroid Prime, the first in the series to the famous Citizen Kane film, what some partake to be the greatest American film ever made. And, of course, at first glance to this, I sat up from my computer and just screamed at the screen for about 20 minutes. Um, (laughs) To to be fair to ABC News, the report was intended to find something that looked like Citizen Kane. So um, it was intended. It wasn't just like, hey, this Metroid is like Citizen Kane. They were looking for something to call Citizen Kane. Um, but still, 
What do you guys think on this? What um, do you think it's a valid comparison? I don't see it at all. There are so yeah, many video I... games that could better compare to Citizen Kane than Metroid. I don't think any any of them would compare to Citizen Kane, but Metroid really? <laughs> it's just really. <laughs> right. well, let's, I, I'm let's, just confused. let's go into the logic here. Um, sorry, Patrick. Before you talk, um, before we continue, let's just go into the logic here. Um, I'm going to read a quote here from IGN's Michael Thompson, who did the comparison. Orson Welles was using cinematography to express something very personal and human. It wasn't just functional anymore. It was actually tied to a specific meaning about people aging, people dying. And also they went into saying that the dark and lonely atmosphere, um, key to isolation, post, um, sort of a um, postmodernist, uh, pardon, postmodernist take on news journalism and news ownership like News Tycoon. And there was also sort of a post-mortem kind of story, take on the story, where the journalists were spending most of Citizen Kane figuring out what Rosebud was, why that was his last word. And in terms of Metroid, you're discovering all these ancient civilizations. But Patrick, do you think it's a valid comparison? Uh, honestly, I'm just confused at the whole comparison. But um, I, if you're going to break it down like that, then I guess you can sort of uh, draw parallels, I guess. I mean... Not really familiar with Citizen Kane, but um, okay. Well, before yeah. we move on here and to you know start a little discussion, do we have a video game that's better suited to Citizen Kane? Oh, we have plenty. Uh, All right, Mats, give me one, just one, just one, <laughs> Pl- just flower. one, kind of. Again, all right. <laughs> no, this is something I want to hear you talk about, Mats. Defend thyself. Uh, well, I mean, in terms of uh, what I think Citizen Kane did, and I think you mentioned it slightly, it's revolutionized the the uh, movie industry um, uh, and, you know, create new techniques that would forever be used as the standard. Um, mm. And I think Flower did that as well. I think it created a, a, a new new way of telling a story. And what Flower did is it told a story through gameplay, through complete gameplay. I know a lot of people have said the thing about the same thing about the Ico games, but really with Flower, um, you sort of got the message of the game just through gameplay, especially in the later levels. Um, mm. There wasn't ne- any need for text or voice or anything. It it's just um, it just symbolized what the meaning of the game meant uh, or what the message. Uh, the guy was trying to get out, and and in, in that way, I think that could better be compared than Metroid. I don't think, see Metroid really. I mean, it's revolutionized gameplay, yes, kind of, but other than that, I mean, the story is not all that, in my mm-hmm. opinion, and it's not yeah. told in any specifically special way. So I don't, I just don't see it. All right, Patrick, what do you, uh, you do? You have a game that better compares to Citizen Kane? I know you're not familiar with the film, but um, let me um, here. Yeah. Uh, let me let me try and um, set the comparison a bit more towards our discussion here. Um, what Citizen Kane did that was so revolutionary, in addition to creating methods that are now used normally, was to utilize a formerly um, just basic routine of cinematography and use it to draw attention to and expand on the story itself. Whereas cinematography was just there, the classic Hollywood system at the time was just, you know, show a shot of a person talking, show another shot of a person talking, show an establishing shot of where they are. Kane um, Kane used a moving camera, used um, open spaces, used 
um, depth of vision to show like a person in the house and a little kid outside the house playing in the snow. He used all this tech, all these techniques to elaborate on and um, hand in hand to tell the story, and it, okay, it so... made the story deeper for it. So does any game utilize some sort of gameplay element to help the story and further the story? Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess you can you can argue that like games like uh, like the, the open RPGs, kind of like Fallout Three or uh, Table Two, would kind of allow you to do that, wouldn't it? I mean, oh, I can see that. Do you have um, Do you have a more specific point on that? Uh, I mean, just like the you basically could shape the story. I mean, whatever way you want. I mean, mm. And you could tell your own story, I guess. Um, no, I mean, that's definitely true. In an interactive medium, the ability to tell yeah. your own story is definitely in that regard. Personally, I don't think we have had one yet. It's not necessarily bad. Citizen Kane came right. 40, uh, 40, 50 years after the invention of cinema, depending on where you're going from. And we haven't had that long in our industry. But, mm-hmm. again, hey, maybe we'll open up a foreign topic, let everyone else, let everyone listen to this, offer their own opinion. I, I guess but, I yeah. guess you could kind of compare uh, the end sequence of Metal Gear Solid 4 a little bit, uh, where, you, where you're fighting Liquid. Um, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not something that, you know, it didn't invent something, but it kind of directly uh, utilizes the, the, the te- techniques uh, Citizen Kane, you know, invented, so... Hey... All right, well, we'll, I'll open up a foreign topic personally, so it will be up by the time this podcast is up. Go into our forums, everybody. Offer up your own solution, or offer up a game that would do that would be Citizen Kane, or give us your pitch for Citizen Kane the video game. But let's move on. Uh, more, less, less of a um, contingent point here. Res- Resistance Three announced, sort of, via a giant billboard on the set of Battlefield Los Angeles, a sort of sci-fi action movie taking place or going to be released in 2011 which would probably go along with uh, resistance 3 the game being released that same year which would put it up at a pretty reasonable production rate Mm. uh what do you guys think makes perfect sense uh they're just about to release uh ration clank and they do one game a year so uh if they release that at around christmas then it would make sense that it'll be at the end of 2010 or beginning of 2011 with Resistance 3. So, yeah. Um, personally, I'm not that excited for it. Uh, at this point, I-, I thought Resistance 1 was really good and I haven't really finished Resistance 2 yet. But at this point, I'm just shootered out um, <laughs> in terms of regular shooters. I mean, with Resistance and Halo and Fear and Call of Duty and all that, they don't really innovate much enough for me to, to to be interested in all of them. I'm interested in the very best, which would be Call of Duty for me. But other than that, I just mm-hmm. can't. They just can't seem to hold my interest. But that yeah. being said, the story is kind of cool. So, yeah, dude, <laughs> I, think, I'm Patrick? I'm really envious of uh, PS3 owners because I mean I, I'm a three three sixty owner, so I never really got my chance to uh, ever. Try Resistance or uh, Resistance 2, uh, but it seems really cool. I mean, it, I, I'm just tempted to get a PS3 for it, but um, I don't know. Just for one game, it's uh, I don't know. It seemed like it'd be a waste of money. <laughs> well, yeah, buying a system for one game is never a good idea. 
But okay. Yeah. Again, once again, I'm sorry to be a broken record here. Um, shooter's not my thing, but hey, every new game released is a good thing, I suppose. I know for the yeah. industry. I know Kip is really yeah. into Resistance, so he'll uh, or he actually talked to me on Skype the the moment he put up the post for Resistance Three. <laughs> and he'll get ecstatic about it. So obviously, it's 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 good enough to get some people's attention. Yeah. Hey, Insomniac's a great developer. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. Resistance Three coming perhaps in 2011. Again, more details will come, and we'll have those for you as they are released. Yep. Moving on, we got the Gearbox CEO Randy Pitchford, who's been rather talkative this past week, and in an interview with let me see, official Xbox magazine, he says that. Utilization of easy achievements and e- trophies uh, could be worth an extra forty uh, $40,000 or 40,000 units in sales for a game. He explains this because, um, in addition for, uh, for our industry having a lot of early adapters for technology, uh, we have another niche called the Achievement Hunter. And he describes this Achievement Hunter saying that he will purchase games at full retail price, at la- uh, maybe at launch or a reduced price, based on if he knows that Getting getting this game will give them a good achievement to gameplay minute ratio. I would, <laughs> I would just like to say that this podcast is rated mature on iTunes, so we can officially say that he probably wanted to say achievement whore instead of hunter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perhaps, yeah, definitely. I was I was going to say, do, does he mean achievement whore? Because I mean, that's the official term. It, it, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Either way. The achievement horse could be worth an extra forty thousand units, and if he's right, which is no necessarily right to, way to prove, that could be a very profitable market for people to go after now. Yep. What do you guys think? Um. Yeah. Uh, this this uh, is I, a bad thing. Achievements are yeah. supposed to be challenging. <laughs> They're supposed to reward you for for you know effort and and putting in the um, and you know skill. Um. Uh, Right now I'm trying to get to get 100% on Uncharted 2, and it's really hard, and that's why I'm doing it. I have a bunch of games that are way easier to, to get the Platinum Trophy on, but it's not fun, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about I you, feel Patrick? Like, I feel like it's a little dangerous that um, developers, if they start catering to achievement whores, uh, they're, they're just going to end up making games purely just to earn achievements rather than just focusing on gameplay and story, and, and like they'll just forget the core elements of the game and just end up making different little achievements. And Recently, a lot of people bought Terminator Salvation, the video game, uh, because you could finish it in about three hours and get the Platinum Trophy from just finishing it. Uh, it was a horrible game. Uh, yeah, according to reviews, at least. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you get direct proof right there. Yeah. I, I can imagine Wanted Weapons of Fate might have that same idea because, again, it's only a four-hour game that's pretty easy. Yeah, once yeah. you get into the hang of it, and yeah. the same developer. But even, but even at the maximum output of sales that Randy Pitchford is saying here, that's forty thousand units. That's mm-hmm. not necessarily something that could motivate. Any uh, any large large seller beyond a certain point, sir, sure, forty thousand units are nice. But if you had to devote the extra time to design these achievements, implement them into gameplay, it might not be worth it for these major developers. Indie developers, sure, but right. again, that's not a lot of uh, that's not a very profitable market to go after. And again, I, I agree with you here. Randy says that right now we have designers designing achievements, and they're the worst. And I disagree with him entirely. Like yeah. uh, like Pot said. Achievements are meant for the 
diff- uh, for the upper echelon of gamers that want to do that want to get the absolute hundred percent drop of value out of every game they do. So to just make them easy, it it kind of ruins the entire idea. Mm. Yeah, actually, um, to back up that uh, like your box statement is that I mean, uh, Brothers in Arms Hell's Highway. Uh, I actually noticed that one of the dumbest achievements that I saw was uh, they had one that says uh, you got to find um, uh, these uh, these car- these uh, comic characters or something on on walls in each level. Oh, the killers. Yeah, the, the the Kilroys and yeah, the just... Kilroy was a uh, design drawn in World War yeah, II, just I, Mar- y- American territory. It was like the earliest meme. If you yeah, if you guys I, I know it, it was. I mean, it was. It just kind of made it annoying. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I I didn't really like it too much, even though I actually did it because I, <laughs> those those achievements really draw me in. Sometimes I, I got to admit, it, but yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, if, well, you, if, if you oh. if you compare this whole idea to currency. Achievements as currency, it you know everyone knows that it makes no sense or it w- won't help the economy at all to print more money. <laughs> that will just devalue the money, and right. basically this is the same thing. If if you make achievements too easy, the whole point of them will disappear, much as Gavin said earlier. And you know, mm-hmm. um, twenty or eighty thousand achievements on Xbox Live will no longer be a lot, and so right. it's just an endless cycle anyway. So just Mm-hmm. Right. I, I hereby present Mots the Internet Nobel Prize for connecting easy achievements on Xbox Live to economic theory. <laughs> Congratulations, Mots. That's epic. But to round out this discussion here, I'd like to make a point of order, just a small difference here. Easy achievements for humor purpose are good. I, I like that. But they shouldn't be it, worth anything. No, they, they should not be. No, of course not. Meaningless. <laughs> but still fun. Like the Simpsons game, you get an achievement and a trophy for pressing start. Yeah. And that just makes me happy. <laughs> that, that's, that's our one uh, one rule here. Okay, so for our, to round up the news here, I'm going to hand the last item to Patrick to explain it to us. We got some multiplayer connections issues with Operation Flashpoint Dragon Rising. So give us, a, give us the details on that, Patrick. Okay, well, um, as you all know, Operation Flashpoint to Dragon Rising was released last week, and um, I actually bought it on Steam. Uh, uh, had a thorough playthrough, um, actually, with Randy, and uh, we've been playing uh, correlating campaigns in uh, co-op. And uh, the thing was is that when we logged on in the servers, um, like, like the multiplayer, it was just like a completely different feel compared to the to the single player, like, controls were unresponsive, and, I mean, the next day, they sort of released a new patch for you to download, and it kind of fixed those problems um, somewhat, but the next day, that when we started, uh, when we wanted to do some co-op, the servers completely crapped out, and you couldn't even, couldn't even log on. They they just kept on getting connection errors, and so um, I was just frantically going onto the forums and seeing uh, what they were saying about it, and apparently... Um, the the company uh, Quatzal or something like that. Uh, they're the ones that actually manage the uh, the online servers, and apparently, like their bandwidth is maxed out. So they had they were, um, and it just so happens that they're based in Canada, so they're having uh, a Canadian Thanksgiving. So they they weren't there, so they couldn't fix the problem. So it was just pretty much a day with no multiplayer on Flashpoint. Um. And the thing is, though, that Codemasters, they, they were just dilly-dallying. They, they weren't really 
telling anybody anything and offering any solutions or reassurances and they were just being really shady about it. So it, it really pissed a lot of people off, especially, um, uh, multiplayer connoisseurs. Um, but yeah, it, it was just pretty chaotic, um, this, that weekend on multiplayer. Yeah, that's a problem with splitting the whole, um, service of the game between companies. Is you get yeah. this whole back and forth that takes extra long time and, and sort of, um, you know, cripples the uh, the uh, customer service. Yeah. Um, like another another big issue was that they didn't have dedicated servers, and they had all these servers that were at least like 32 plus people that that can play on it. But it just didn't make sense because I mean, you usually have dedicated servers just to like. Wait. So um, they didn't have dedicated servers, but they no, their uh, servers which handle the um, uh, the IP. P uh, trafficking, not to get too technical here. Basically, the service which assigned players to different games and, and you know send the code, that was basically yeah. down just because of that. Yeah, I mean they, they they didn't have any dedicated servers. Like their bandwidth was, they didn't have enough bandwidth to uh, handle the amount of traffic that they were getting. So it just completely crapped out. That's weird because you know that yeah. doesn't take that much. You'd think a. a, a a company handling online experiences would have at least, you know, that kind of connection. But, well, yeah, and actually, what really pissed people off is that even though everybody on the forums is complaining about the lack of dedicated servers, um, th- the whole time that they were fixing the problem, they didn't even consider developing dedicated servers to uh, fix up the the entire multiplayer mess. Well, so that that just really, um, in my opinion. Uh, nailed the final nail in the coffin uh, for the uh, for the game, in my opinion. I mean, it's... okay. Well, do you know that though? Do you know that they haven't considered? Well, yeah, they actually uh, the the form manager just re- like he re- uh, he released a statement saying that they were the developers weren't really uh, thinking about um, making any uh, dedicated servers at this time. Oh, okay. um, just being really vague about it. Huh. So basically, when they've hit rock bottom, then maybe they'll consider it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're now done with the news. Uh, we uh, we do a little feature every week that we call Our Week in Geek. Uh, we used to call it Our Week in Gaming, but that wasn't really fair as we talked about movies and all that kind of stuff. Um, starting off, Patrick has played... No, let's start off with Gavin, actually. Gavin has played some Brutal Legends. <laughs> I'm happy to snub you, Patrick. But yes, <laughs> no, I have right. been playing. I have been playing Brutal Legend, and it is as awesome as I have been hoping for. Um, surprised me a little bit because uh, the intro that we all know and love from uh, prior trailers and demo, the one mm-hmm. where um, you know the fake metal open, the fake metal band, and uh, Jack Black getting crushed and taken to whatever world that is. Um, <laughs> that was actually not the intro. There was actually a live action intro with Jack Black. And that surprised me. But hmm. um, beyond that point, I'm I'm very impressed with the game. I mean, in terms of gameplay, I wasn't expecting too much, uh, given Tim Schafer's um, backlog. But it's very fun. Um, the RTS segments are very streamlined, very basic, but they function very well. Um, the only thing I would complain about is you had to be physically close to your units to move them. And in terms of, you know, once you get the battle going and you're trying to organize just six different areas, it's kind of it's kind of annoying to have to keep traveling back and following physically following your units with um, 
Eddie Riggs, your character. But <laughs> great thing is the world is just brilliant. The art design, the the level design is just exceptional. Um, these guys love metal and no metal like the guys at Rockstore know hip hop and R and B for um for Grand Theft Auto. They they are just connoisseurs of music and it shows. It's brilliant. I mean, I've just been dri- driving around listening to this uh, the track list that I've been getting. You unlock things like every second of gameplay. It's great. Like you unlock concept art for like six times in one cutscene. I have no idea how you do that, but it's amazing. But um, and again, I've already had like eight cameos from metal people, and it's just amazing. They actually got a competent Ozzy Osbourne cameo, and that surprised me. Like you can understand what he's saying perfectly. <laughs> cool. I have no idea that's possible, but epic game, <laughs> loving it, and of course, spot on humor. Um, Do you have any funniest thing I've seen games for a while? You mentioned eight cameos. Without spoiling too much, do you have any, you know, hardcore uh, metal characters? You know, Ozzy Osbourne is sort yes. of on the more popular, you know, um, mass market size side. Yes. Uh, Aussies definitely ever since um, reality television, but yes, you do go you do go into the uh, lesser known metal. I mean, even in the track list, you have something that never even hit the Billboard charts ever. <laughs> but then again, metal really does that. But I mean, just complete unknowns, and they're all great. Mm. I haven't hit I haven't seen I haven't heard a sore note in the what four hours I put into it so far and I've barely touched the story because I, I love just driving around running over people and just listening over to listening to metal that's it's just it's <laughs> that's incredible. that's interesting because I know they have some hardcore um, uh, uh, Norwegian black metal and death metal and um, and you know usually I'd think maybe you weren't the kind of guy that'd be into that but <laughs> it is it is more to the western um, mentality for metal. It does go into death metal, power metal. Um, there's a lot of variants to the music. I mean, you battle emo rock people, you battle hair <laughs> metal people. I mean, it's it's very yeah, the story's simple. The character um, the characters are very gene- uh, not generic, but um, caricatures of certain music classes. But mm-hmm. it all functions perfectly. You never seem like um, open world action and RTS and Tim Schafer's story would all fit together, but it meshes just fantastically and it's definitely a recommendation for me. You don't you do really you do need to like metal. Don't need to love it, but you need to like metal to at least get where I am in terms of liking it, but it's still mm-hmm. a great game, very funny. Yeah, to me it seems like sounds like it. to me it seems like the perfect sort of um homage or or parody of metal uh you know everything's so over the top and 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 brutal mm. and, you know um but it, it's these little touches that really get to me you know the whole uh spider spinning spinning guitar strings and it's yeah. just uh yeah it's it, it's uh and and uh what's the fireflies or whatever that are actually just oh yeah um there's they're lightning yeah there's these little lightning creatures that you make jumps at different points of the world and they like zoom in on you and you collect them and they give you fire tributes which is the game's currency you can upgrade your weaponry and vehicle with them but yeah there's these little lightning creatures yeah and they're actually made of guitar parts <laughs> yep so it's just and hmm. it that's all over the world like the they have like these barren trees that are actually made out of uh, tailpipes and they have these ancient relics that are from the titans of metal uh, that long were abandoned by the world and left relics. <laughs> so, so, and you raise them with your power of rock. Literally, so, you have like selectable solos, and then you play the solo, and it raises them with the power of your rock. Awesome. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I feel like it's like uh, I, I could just see Jack Black just saying all this stuff in the background. And oh, absolutely. Like That's probably that is probably yeah. the best part of the game because the characters constantly riff and just it's almost distracting because you want to hear it and then you get like attacked too much. But um, <laughs> it he's great. I mean, it's it's a very personal project for both Tim Schafer and Jack Black, and both of them are completely in their element, and the game just shines because of it. So everyone that's even slightly a music fan, inter- you like listening to music, just pick this pick this bad boy up. Yep. Mm. Um, personally, I've been playing Uncharted 2, and that's about it. Uh, you can find my review uh, on the site right now. Uh, a full review, actually. So I have reviewed the single player and multiplayer. And um, it, it's just, it's the greatest game uh, in a long, long time. Um, I mentioned in my review that no other game since Uncharted 1 has really um, displayed the same amount of graphical fidelity until now with Uncharted 2. Uh, on consoles, I mean. Uh, and it's it's just such a polished experience with uh, with the single player just basically being... It's a Hollywood movie, I'll give it that. It's not the best story in the world, but it's it's uh it works so well with the medium and it uh, and the characters uh, banter off of each other just works so ingeniously and I have a couple of quotes for example um Nathan Drake, the main character was helping a girl called Chloe, which is you know, this sort of sexy brunette in the game, up a ladder <laughs> and he, giving her a boost so she could jump up to a ladder and um Basically, what he said uh, as he's looking up at her is, "Is it's the same? It's a shame you have to sit on something that beautiful." There's just that kind of stuff. Even though it's cliched and and not particularly innovative in terms of humor, it just works so well that you can't help but laugh when you hear that character saying it. So it's it's just um, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, the story, it, it, I kind of like the first story in terms of uh, the ending and all that better. Um, this to me left some holes. I won't spoil what they are, but uh, it's nonetheless it is an awesome game, and you should definitely try it uh, and play it and buy it. And, and I'd even say that maybe this is the game to buy PS3 for, just this game. Oh. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, and, and the multiplayer Rock is on. surprisingly good. Um, um, usually with these kind of games, you know, with uh, with a game that has a very good single player, the multiplayer is just sort of a, a last-minute uh, push-in, a second thought, and the other way around with multiplayer-only games. Uh, but it, it, to me, to me, this is basically Gears of War. Uh, it has all the required modes. It has actually over nine modes, uh, co-op and competitive, and uh, and it it works. It's really well balanced. The maps are geniusly laid out in terms of. Because you know, in this game, you, you, not only do you have third-person shooting, but you can climb everywhere, um, and it's just, it, it's, it's genius. Uh, it's, uh, it plays perfectly to the characters' uh, abilities, uh, and then you have the co-op as well, which is just extremely fun, and it actually borrows locations from the single-player game. Uh, and uses them uh, to create spectacles. So you'll have, for example, in one co-op stage, stage I played, we, we fought a helicopter. And as we shot down the helicopter with RPGs, uh, it actually crashed into a huge Tibetan temple tower thingy. And the, the tower com- collapsed in all glorious graphical beauty in front of us while we were interacting on the bridge shooting enemies. And it, it's and for co-op, I don't think that's ever happened before. I don't think you have this 
sort of storyline uh, in co-ops with huge spectacles. I didn't play the Resistance 2 co-op, so maybe they did it there, but I mean, they open up the co-op with a shortcut scene detailing the objective, uh, where Drake, for example, today will say something like, uh, all right, the enemy space is over there, we have to go plant explosives before blah, 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 blah. Um, and then once you finish it, you'll, you get a huge, you know, uh, movie finishing montage music and all that stuff. So it's, um, it's, it's really good. I recommend it to fullest. Okay. Yep. Um, there was, um, from what I heard, the developers had the intent of making the story a bit darker, giving Drake more of a, more of an edge, but kind of rounding out his character. Did, did they succeed in that? Because, um, while Drake was a, you know, had a personality, he was a bit of a, generic kind of pulp action hero did they was there a change well the thing about this i don't really think drake has the main uh is the main character in terms of character development in this game he um he definitely is a little more uh human than the last game uh he gives up he gets depressed he uh he feels, uh, uh, you know, uh, that he's up against insurmountable odds and all that stuff, and he wants to give up. Uh, so in that way, he, he kind of hinted at that in the first game as well, but they drag it out a bit, a bit more and uh, elaborate it a bit more in this game. But actually, the female, the, the one of the main female characters, Chloe, is the one that I thought had the best um, character development, as she is sort of this um, uh, self-absorbed... Um, a chick who basically does anything to survive and get get uh, you know get the better deal out of the situation, whereas at the end of the game she is a little more compassionate and and uh, and you really you clearly see the change the, the things that happened to her that changed her into that that new person. Um, huh. Other than that, I won't say anything specific to spoil it, but uh, definitely the character development and and in just in general all the characters in this game are are, are a lot more rounded than the last game. Awesome. Yep. Cool. If I had a PS3, I'd play it too. But <laughs> <laughs> I think basically everyone on the EG staff that has a PS3 are going to play this game. So it's it's a big uh, popular mm. popular game. Yeah. Um, and most of my PM friends on the friends list are playing this game as well. Uh, so I think this is going to be a big hit. Um, the last one really yeah. wasn't that big of a hit. It. Uh, it did okay considering the amount of PlayStation 3s out there at the time, but uh, now that there are upwards of 30 million, um, I think this could uh, could really be a big hit. Um, but moving on, Patrick, you've been playing some Operation yeah. Flashpoint. Yes. Uh, well, besides the uh, disappointing multiplayer, um, other other than the co-op, I mean, uh, the single player is definitely a lot of fun. Um, it it, it kind of reminded me of uh, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter 2, um, but a, a little more, like, a little less futuristic, I guess. Um, basically, it's uh, the Uni- United States is at war with China because China invaded this uh, highly contested island that had, that had oil or something, and it was just, like, recently discovered, and uh, Russia and China both laid claims to it, but China decided to invade it and took it over. So Russia requests uh, U.S. help, and um, basically you, you play as a U.S. Marine recon team. And uh, it, it's pretty much, it, it's not like, um, it, it's more 
tactical oriented than just straight up first person shooter. Like you, you get to uh, control your own squad and um, you get like a medic and uh, a specialist such as a sniper or um, an engineer uh, or a grenadier and um, uh, and you get like a squad uh, machine gunner to support the, the squad. So um, basically, you, like there, there's like about 11 missions and you go around and um, try to advance the war effort and uh, conquer the island back from the Chinese. So are there any um, other enemies? You know, other armies? Uh, no, it's just straight on U.S. versus China, okay. kind of like uh, Battlefield 2. Cool. I guess that would be a good comparison to mm. it. But, um, Randy actually talked yeah. about it a bit on the last podcast, and I asked him whether he would compare it more to Battlefield than, say, Gra. Um Yeah. Personally, he thought it was uh, it was more like Gra, but, I mean, looking at the gameplay footage, and actually my roommate is... Ah, uh, five feet behind me playing it right now, and it 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 to me it, it really <laughs> looks like um, like Battlefield. So I don't know. I I think it's 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 a fusion of both. I guess uh, it, that'd be a fairer assessment. Um, the tactical side, it's definitely like Raw, but except in Raw you can um, you can order like gunships and stuff around, but here it's just you're ordering uh, soldiers rather than vehicles around. Hmm. I mean, you could you could put you could put your soldiers in the vehicles and then order them to drive on or something, but um, it's not quite the same. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not. I mean, there are some elements of Gra in it, but uh, yeah, I guess you could say that Battlefield Two kind of would be a good comparison to it as well. Mm. How is it on? Uh, I mean, you didn't play much of the multiplayer, but um, how is it on? You know, uh, is there some sort of leveling system, perk system, or anything like that? Uh, what system? You know, a uh, 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 reward system for for playing the multiplayer. Do you get levels? Uh, do you get money? Do uh, you get get to buy new weapons and that kind of stuff? Not that I've discovered yet. I mean, I I played only a little bit, and I got maybe like one promotion. <laughs> um, but it doesn't seem like you're able to customize your weapons, unlike in like I, Randy told me that when he played Raw 2 on PC, that he was able to customize what, his weapons and everything. But I mean, I, I got Raw 2 on uh, uh, 360, and like I, I, I didn't see any of those features in mm. in the game. Yeah, and I mean, w- with Battlefield 2, they were one of the first uh, guys to to really do the whole weapon customization and, and oh yeah and stuff. And I really love that part of it. So uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of, I was kind of hoping that all the games would sort of take from that, and, and all similar games would follow that uh, standard. <laughs> <laughs> right, you, you'd think so, right? Yeah. But no, not, it's not the case in this game, unfortunately. Yep. I mean, ho- if if they decide to come out with a patch to it, like a really big patch that'll fix that or something, then yeah, I mean, it, it'll definitely redeem itself. But it doesn't seem like they're in a rush to do it, unless something something really really screws up. Hmm. Yeah. By the end of the day, they just care about the stuff they get paid for. I right. think. Um, uh, you done? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, question of the week. Uh, this week we're asking how could video game movies I- improve. Um, so, <laughs> so basically, you know, um, a lot of people, including myself, complain about video game movies. Uh, at least most of them, uh, particularly ones m- made by Uwe Boll. Um, 
But have we ever really offered a way to make them better? Um, Gavin, why don't you start on this one? All right, allow me to strut my film school knowledge. Um, (laughs) I think the main problem uh, we see with video game movies, especially in the early days, um, even continuing to today, is that you have two different audience relationships to the the media. And video games are much more active. They participate on a much um, more visceral way. And in movies, it's a much more passive experience. And in a way, um, the directors and producers of video game movies are attempting to recreate that sort of active participation in um, in the video game movies by high-painting up the action, um, making them into more action set pieces, um, dwindling the story, and just trying to shove as much um, visual creativity into – or not, not necessarily creativity, but enough visual flair – into their two hours, 90 minutes as they possibly can. And that's not really the way to do it um, in terms of um, a video game fa- a successful translation. You really have to truncate the story and just try to um, take, uh, just cut pieces out of it because you, there's no way you can compact it of the entire thing into, into a single film. I think uh, in terms of a good example, I don't really have one. Because I'm, I'm not necess- I don't necessarily like many video game movies. I liked Resident Evil, which no one else seems to. I did. But um, uh, can I offer up um, uh, a point? Of course. Yep. Um, just in relation to what you just said, I think um, the main clue here is to use the world of the video game, not mm, yeah. the specific story of that particular entry in the series. Um, Absolutely. Or even, or even just the. Um, the emotional, um, the emotional connection, or the um, what, uh, what kind of uh, reaction the game inspires in you. Like that's why I thought Mortal Kombat was a sort of successful film because it's the game itself is kind of a cheesy, um, over-the-top action kind of experience, and the film was for its time a pretty cheesy, over-the-top action movie, and I think it was a, a pretty reasonable translation because of that. It just took the the theme and the ideas of what the game makes you feel. And tries mm-hmm. to translate that into a movie, and I think that's the method that modern video game director, video game movie directors need to implement more. Um, yeah, perfectly said. Uh, I think um, two movies I'd like to mention that uh, you didn't mention. You mentioned Resident Evil, and I think that was a really good one. Those are movies that are movies. They are not necessarily yes. video game movies. Uh, yeah. They, uh, the Resident Evil is a bigger name outside of video games now because of those movies. Uh, and I think that's a huge point to make. Uh, at the same time, you have stuff like the Silent Hill movie, which, in my opinion, mm-hmm. was a work of art. It, it was genius. It encapsulated everything the Silent Hill games are about, and it did so in a way that other people can also enjoy. Um, mm. It just so happens that it, you can draw several parallels with the, the story of that movie and the first Silent Hill game, uh, changing out that the mother is actually the father and all that stuff. But anyway... Um, what I think Christophe, uh, the French guy that made that movie, did right was that he he took the basic elements of of the game and he translated it into what would work for a movie. He didn't take the basic elements of the game and and put it into a movie, no matter what. Much like uh, Uwe Boll is doing, or several other 
other uh, directors. Uh, I think also, even though Hitman wasn't such a great movie in and of itself, I think it did. It it went about um, making a video game movie the right way as well. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Patrick? What do you think about uh, the translation is flawed? Um, I don't, I don't know. I like when I first saw Final Fantasy, I thought it wasn't a bad movie. Um, like in that it didn't really reflect any of the games in the series. It was just completely unique in itself. I I, I thought it was done pretty well. You're talking um, about *The Spirits Within*, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, not not *Advent Children*, which I thought I, I thought it was a good balance between like uh, story and um, special effects and everything. But again, it, it was just another uh, *Final Fantasy VII* like like sequel that just was catering to the *Final Fantasy VII* crowd. It didn't really drawing a mass audience, which I guess movies should have done, but um, mm. yeah, I mean oh, yeah. if I, I can mean, make a point on, oh, go ahead, Patrick, sorry yeah, yeah, go ahead No, um, I just want to make a point on Silent Hill in contrast to Mott's I actually think the story was done excessively poorly, which is why the film, um, while having a successful opening in the box office, kind of petered off, I think that while visually it was an exceptional recreation, I think that the visuals didn't seep into the story enough. The symbolism wasn't inherent in the mother's struggle. There was no, there, I didn't feel there was a connection between the mother and the town as much as I did there for Harry Mason, for James Sunderland, for Heather, and for the guy from Silent Hill 4 who I'm forgetting his name. But um, I, I don't think they opted to mesh the two elements together as they are in the video game. I think that actually the dialogue in Silent Hill is just Mystery Science Theater 3000 worthy. It's just so cheesy. But, hey, there's <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the guy in the Silent Hill 4 in, uh, is uh, Henry. Um, I, I kind of I see that. Um It, it, it definitely didn't um, go into the occult as much as the games do. Um it didn't sort of uh, draw the 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 connections and make up the whole mystical um, uh, history of the town as well as the games do. It it did sort of focus on that with the witch burnings and all that. But um, then again, it is a relatively short movie uh, compa- compared mm-hmm. to the games. Uh, and I think uh, it's a, it's a, it's it's always a challenge when trying to 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 you know represent uh, a world world like Silent Hill which if you if you pay attention to all the stories maybe a 20 hour game um into 2 hours or or less but um i think uh, the reason i liked it so much is that if you've played the games uh then it's awesome then you already know the stuff they tell you anyway mm-hmm. uh, and then you you know uh draw the connections yourself and if you haven't played the game, like many of my friends who are really into horror movies but haven't played the game, they love the movie. Because if you haven't played the game, you don't really miss that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, that's 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 the main reason. Also, uh, I think he did. I, I think he brought the most important aspects of the game into the movie, and then made a movie yeah. around that. I, I like the point you brought up, though, Mons. I mean, what is the intended audience of a video game movie? Is it just the video game fans? Is it just movie right. fans? I mean, what kind of mesh are they hoping for? I think they are trying for a, court, a sort of 
making a a movie standard enough for the film-going audience, but bringing in the audience attached to the video game um, for the extra financial boost. Mm. But Mm -hmm. um, I... Is that am I right in thinking that? Is there a different kind of audience? Well, what, I think what I think, think it depends on the game and its popularity. Uh, I think with, for example, the upcoming Warcraft movies, there's going to be six of them. I think World of Warcraft movies. Oh God, that's yeah. obviously <laughs> just to cater to the fans and to to players, because yeah. um, there's enough of them. Uh, also, I think uh, World of Warcraft it has a stigma around it that people who don't play it either couldn't care less or for some reason hate the game because they took the loved one with them or whatever. Uh, but right. So 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 to me that seems like the kind of game that basically will only cater to fans and will be all fan service. Uh, then again, I love the Warcraft story, so I'm going to watch that. <laughs> yeah, like it, if they if it, if they base the uh, the Warcraft movie off like the storyline of the games, which I, def- I I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it they they could they, they could potentially make it into something like a like the Lord of the Rings or something exactly like that. yeah mm. yeah and it'll definitely hopefully it'll draw in a pretty decent audience if if they stick to the storyline rather than uh, the stigmatism associated with like uh, WoW or something like mm. that and I mean um, I don't know I'm kind of surprised they're doing it live action. I thought maybe they would do it animated, like uh, Advent Children, or their own uh, storyline movies they used in the intros for every expansion of the game of World of Warcraft, or, or you know, the movies in between Warcraft Three, because you know that was pretty good quality. Yeah, they they should probably get uh, Peter Jackson a director or something. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Cool. Um. Do we want to just mention properties that we think would make good game uh, movies then? Sure. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> to go ahead. <laughs> oh, great! Uh, crap. The one that suggests always has to go first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. I mean, as long as we have we fit to a very generic film um, model, not necessarily make it a generic film, but stick to um, very basic origins and then build up from that. I think we have a lot of good possibilities here. Mass Effect would be a would be an amazing science fiction film if you break. You can probably do the entire story of that uh, of that game in two separate films. Yeah, that would make a really good kind of quad um, sequel, and then you could just continue from Mass Effect Two. I think Fable would make a really good um, fantasy game. I think you would have to mesh Fable One and Two story because I don't think either of them is strong enough to stand, uh, especially truncated on the screen. I don't. But yeah. um, I, I think maybe in Fable it would be uh, the right thing to just use the world and make up a completely new story. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like the I like the idea of following the orphan um, from Fable One, but having the kind of um, the the shoehorn plot of finding the three heroes mm. and combating and still making the ultimate villain Jack of Blades from Fable One, mm. but use the three heroes from Fable Two as a sort of um, dragging on point as keeping the story relevant and motivated. But also, who who knows um, other... who knows what's going to happen to Fable Three, where you're actually a a, a decrowned king, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna use them at all, but um, but, uh, <laughs> I think both um, company. I think Sony's already gearing up to use their film connections to make movies on Infamous yeah. and everything like In- that. Infamous and, could be awesome. Yeah, but again, we have a lot of these action properties. All they have to do really is present an interesting world 
or um, have a nice act, um, have good solid action set pieces with a twist, like Infamous's electricity powers, prototypes, morphism, or anything like that. Mm. Um, in terms of anything else, I'd like to see. I mean, that's pretty basic. Everything else I like in terms of video games works so well in the video game medium. I wouldn't want to see it translated for fear of it ruining the property as a whole. Um, yeah, I, I'm not really a big fan of the Terminator movies. I know a lot of people are hardcore Terminator fans, but I like this. <laughs> I like the structure of them a lot. I think maybe if you took a video game franchise and uh, and built it uh, in over three, four movies in the same structure as the Terminator franchise. Uh, maybe, uh, well, Infamous would actually work really well with that. Some sort of game that that has to do with something supernatural or, or some sort of power or or unique uh, abil- ability. Um, oh. oh yeah, and Pixar should do a Ratchet and Clank movie. Well, we have a Ratchet and Clank movie. It's called the Game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm happy to have that as another movie. Just yeah. more of that gorgeous, like gorgeous CG and everything. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Patrick? Well, um, I don't know. I, I have a few, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm more of like the kind of like like recent future or something, like mm. kind of movie, I guess like Splinter Cell or, uh, I don't know. Um, even, I think Assassin's Creed would make a pretty good movie. I mean, they just need to tweak some things, but it'd be a pretty interesting movie. I, I definitely see it. Hmm. Um, yeah, that could be really interesting if you if you could do the whole jumping between past and near future or present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and of course, all the Monkey Island and Leisure Shoot Larry games would be good because it's mostly story. Mm. But okay, so so uh-huh. how about this? Do you have any any specific directors or or? Um, or you know uh, firms that you would like to to uh, undertake these movies. Hmm. Hmm. Gavin, how about you? Um. Well, I mean, it's probably going to get me stabbed by my fellow film fans, but if Igmar Birdman was still alive, I would have loved to see his take on Silent Hill. He has a really good ta- he has a really good ability with using locations and low light in terms of creating a somber atmosphere, and I think that would have worked really good with the franchise. But Ridley Scott, I'd like to see do Assassin's Creed. or Oh, yeah. Or like, uh, or try another epic. He hasn't been doing good for epics for a while, but like Ridley Scott's Romance of the Three Kingdoms. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things I'd like to see. I'm just, um, I haven't really paired them up as well. I mean, Peter Jackson doing any of the epic fantasy film, um, games would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree with uh, Gavin on Ridley Scott doing Assassin's Creed because I mean, uh, Kingdom Kingdom of Heaven. Even though the theatrical version sucked, like I, I got the director's cut on DVD and it, it, it's amazing. I mean, they they pretty much added in all the deleted scenes and it just made the story flow a lot better. Wait, and I, he I could, is the guy behind uh, Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah. Okay. Then and I Gladiator and then I stuff, and yeah. Gladiator. Then I definitely agree that movie was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if if he can do that, he could definitely do an Assassin's Creed movie um, mm-hmm. and execute oh, it really Oh, and well. um, Alfonso Cuaron should direct um, anything from Sam Fisher or Tom Clancy. He did um, Children of Men. Oh, nice one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I actually... But, um, 
I'm a big fan of Asian horror flicks uh, or thrillers or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and there is one director, and I'm sure everyone who calls himself a film fan, uh, Gavin, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've seen this, Old Boy. Oh, oh, that is such perfect. a good movie. Yeah. Uh, the director is actually called uh, Chan Wook Park. I think he could make a killer heavenly or heavenly sword movie. Hmm, that'd be nice. I think that would be just so awesome. <laughs> oh, and um, Takeshi Miike, who is a um, famous Japanese gangster slash horror filmmaker, should make either Fatal Frame and or Saints Row. Hmm. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Look, all right, sorry guys, you're gonna have to go on IMDb for this stuff because we have no time to explain these guys' background. But take <laughs> these guys in and agree with us. You will agree with yes. us. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I have to, for the sake of my film background, Ridley Scott was has had a major career. He's also done Aliens and Blade Runner. I have to mention those, or I will get stabbed. So yeah, yeah, Blade Runner is a big hit at least. Um, yeah, I think we're done. <laughs> Anything more you guys have to say on the topic? Yeah. Um, Uwe Bolt attack, um, attacks loophole activists, and he should no longer be allowed to do so. He should not be making movies, except Postal. Postal was good. <laughs> I, I, I disagree, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Patrick? Uh, about Uwe Boll? Or about anything, about anything yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, really got, I, I have no opinion on Uwe Boll. I mean... I didn't really see any of his movies, honestly. <laughs> you better keep it that way. <laughs> It'll do you good. Yeah. Well, will, will, will my eyes bleed if I do or something? Or? Well, I mean, yeah, pretty much. It's, it's not like he's the worst director of all of all time, but um, he's the worst director making video game movies. That's for sure. And, <laughs> and yeah, you know, if there weren't video game movies, they weren't then. Uh, no one would know his name. No one would even care that he exists. Um, <laughs> he will. I, I, I predict that he will never be a, a, a good director. Uh, he will never make a genuinely good movie. Uh, I, I think Elliot might strongly disagree with me, but he's not here right now, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right on. Right. Well, as usual, I want you guys to uh, to rate and review the podcast. Uh, seriously, this time, uh, I lo- I'd love you if you did that. Uh, that's right, you and you and uh, Drew. I don't know if there's anyone named Drew listening to this, but just in case. Um, <laughs> uh, also, we have an uh, iTunes, no, sorry, um, YouTube channel. Uh, you can always subscribe to that and comment on the videos on iTunes. Or, sorry, YouTube, uh, as well as on the on the main page. Uh, join the forum, comment on our article articles, um, subscribe to our Facebook group, or join our Facebook group, um, and follow us on Twitter. The few of us who have one, Patrick actually has one, and I have one. So, uh, and we have the official Elder Geek um, count as yep. well. So, yeah, we're we, we have a presence on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. and and that's it, I think. Uh, this is Elder Geek signing out. Bye, guys. Bye. Total Carnage! Mamma mia!